Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go, let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right, folks, how is everybody doing? You guys ready to kick off a new week here? So in my podcast called Successfully Funded, I go and deconstruct what I believe to be world-class crowdfunding campaigns. Uh, And when I get into my conversations, I like to know where the ideas came from. How did they get from A to Z? What did they do to, to really push and engage with people? And ultimately, what do they think their biggest technique was? So if you out there are thinking about running a crowdfunding campaign, there's no better spot to talk to uh, project creators active while their campaign's going so that you are getting a feeling and an understanding of the emotional ups and downs that happen uh, during one of these campaigns. So in today's episode, uh, I, I, I got to learn a whole bunch of really, really intriguing stuff. So the topic was on Tenkara fishing. And I'm sure everybody out there was like, uh, what? So Tenkara fishing is, a, is an old Japanese technique uh, for fly fishing. And I got to talk to um, Daniel Garahado, excuse me, Galhardo, And he is one of the only people here in the States who is bringing this sort of technique to America and has an awesome, awesome Kickstarter project out right now um, where he's trying to, to develop a book around this whole um, fishing style. And as of today, he's got 10 days to go, and he's 291% over his goal, and he's closing in on $30,000. Uh, I believe his goal was uh, around 5000 bucks. I think is what his goal was. I'm, we'll get into that uh, a little bit later. But, but what I really enjoyed about this conversation is the absolute honesty that was going on behind the scenes of this campaign. There was no bells or whistles. There was no magical, oh, I paid this and this happened. What Daniel and I get into is just the absolute um, simplicity of the campaign and and how it ties into the simplicity of this style of fishing, I thought was an unbelievable tie to me. And and, and yeah, I don't know anything about fishing. I think I fished once. I don't touch the worms. I'm a, you know, I'm that guy, okay? So I'm not into it, but I was truly into this conversation. And I think, too, probably the biggest part that's going to come out of it is, is Daniel acknowledging the you know many, many, many years of bootstrapping work to build a mailing list, and again, I've mentioned this on almost every campaign, of true people who couldn't wait to support it. And once he hit, uh, I think we get into it, he funded in like five hours his goal. So... People clearly want this book. It's a great, great project. If you are into fishing on any level, I strongly recommend you sticking by and checking it out. And again, or if you're into crowdfunding, uh, you know, stick around for that conversation when we deconstruct it. So, so I'm just getting back. Uh, I'm recording this Sunday afternoon. Um, got to go to a wedding uh, yesterday for a good friend of mine named Pat Schrock. So congrats, Pat and Cassidy. Um, uh, you know, so I actually got out of the house, dropped the kids off at Grandma and Grandpa's, which hasn't happened in probably six, seven months. Uh, so we had no kids, got a bed and breakfast hotel in Ann Arbor, and got to enjoy uh, my wife and I. And of course, now today I am feeling it. Uh, I am definitely not 100%. My my stomach is doing some weird things, and um, 
and yeah, I am I'm just very uncomfortable. And I did drink. I'm not going to lie. I did drink. I had a healthy amount. And I did drink a lot of water. And I did eat. But I am feeling it today. But so I have this idea that I'd like to share with you. And if you guys have an opinion, please email me, jeff at woodshed.agency. Some of you might know, I'm a 37-year-old male who's losing his hair. Uh, I think there's a lot of you out there that will relate to this. And for the last probably 10 years, I've been toying with an idea of dyeing my hair gray. I don't have gray hair right now, but I'd like to dye it to a nice fox look. Uh, I think is a term possibly, but I'd like to, I'd like to dye it gray. And I brought this up. I was out having a, a beer with a couple of buddies of mine and they're all you know, mid forties and, and a little bit older. And, you know, they all have shaved their head and yet my uh, one friend has gray hair. And they looked at me when I brought this up. I was just being like, I'm out of my mind. It's almost like shaving your head bald, I guess, you know, uh, when you don't have to, but my reasoning behind it, I think, is actually fairly logical, right? So, me being 37, if I walked into a meeting with gray hair, you know, nice gray hair, people aren't going to know I'm 37. They're going to think I'm more, I'm older than that. They're probably going to put me in the category of maybe 50, you know, early 50s, late 40s. And that, I think, would come a, would actually line up a little bit to some of my accomplishments in life. There's sometimes I get this thing, like, I just don't know how you've done this so far. I'll, you know, you're in your, your mid-30s. If I had gray hair, it would just obviously line up. Like, oh, I understand. It took you, you know, 10 years to pull off whatever, you know, whatever I'm working on. So I think, I, I think a distinguished, distinguished vibe would be in my aura because of my look, right? Now let's go the opposite side of this equation. Now, let's say I walk in with gray hair, and we, I'm, I'm out at 2 in the morning, I don't know, eating Coney Dogs at, you know, in Lafayette, downtown Detroit, after some big party, and I'm kicking it with like 10 people, and it's just a, you know, it just clearly looks like a good night. And when somebody asks me, you know, or finds out my age, and they go, you're like 37. Now I, or, well, or, excuse me, they won't ask my age. They'll just assume that I'm the fun, hip, old guy, and that's a benefit. And then, again, when they find out that I'm 37, you know, it'll just be up. Why? I had no idea. I think that's a win in both scenarios. So for the last 10 years, I mean, I, I had this idea when I was work, back working in the restaurant world where I was like, I, you know, I kind of wanted to be the older distinguished waiter for some reason. And, I, and at that time, I had a, a beautiful last Mohicans mohawk that went down to the middle of my back. And if you want to check that out, there's, a, there's some photos of that out there, uh, out there in the real world. Um, had to get rid of that before I got married. Thanks, baby. Um, so, you know, I brought this up recently to my wife. and She just continues. To, she's now shook her head for eight years because I've been talking about this for probably that long. And I don't know why I just don't have the balls to just do it. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm already kind of shaving my head because, I, you know, my hair's falling out. But I think it would be, oh, and there's some gray in my beard. So it wouldn't be that far-fetched. So I'm interested as to hear if, any of you out there has ever thought about this? Huh? Anybody? Anybody? No? 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 Okay. Please email me if you have. Because I need somebody to give me a push. And if I think I get that push, I might try it out this week. I might sit down and make the old wife knock this out for me with some, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, what's that? What is it? This is the just gray? You know? I, I don't know. The, the, um, 
the men's stuff. So that's what I'm thinking about. So the other nice thing, because I had uh, a couple um, important meetings on Friday and, and the wedding, I, I did a little clothes shopping. I bought my first pair of jeans that aren't Levi's in uh, probably since middle school. Um, this is another little idiosyncrasy, possibly myself. It's probably the wrong word, but you know, I'm just trying to sound intelligent for you guys out there. Um, I like Levi's. And Levi's have been making jeans for, what, 140-some years? Aren't they the best, right? They know what they're doing, right? Have, didn't they kind of design jeans? You know, so, you know, they're the godfather of it. So I, that's what I've always been wearing. Levi's 514s or 527s, depending on the style, whether I needed to go over my boot or if I needed to go on my shoe. So I made a big, pretty big, uh, pretty big uh, stance uh, Friday when I was at the mall. Yeah, I went to a mall too. That was another thing. Um, I bought jeans that aren't Levi's. I bought some nice gray ones. And I'm going to tell you, I really enjoyed wearing them on Friday. They felt nice. Um, so I don't tell Levi's out there, but yeah, I think I found that there's other jeans that are possible in this world. Whew, boy, it blew my mind. But they fit really good, you know, because one thing about when I buy jeans, and this will be some inside, uh, you know, probably some too much details. The Wenzels, we have tree trunks for thighs. We're, we're built really sturdy, low to the ground. My sister will attest to this. My dad, my mom, every, all of us. <laughs> um, so, you know, skinny jeans do not work. Um, and then I never want the, I don't want like the big, where they're loose at the bottom, you know? So, so it's a struggle. And, uh, but you know, I'm not quitting on you, Levi's. I just had to go, I had to go outside of brand for a little bit. So, all right. I think that's enough of me ranting about uh, the weirdness of uh, or the odd ideas that are in my brain. But um, so why don't we kick it off to my conversation with Daniel? Um, let's all kind of take down this journey of learning about Tenkara fishing um, uh, and and really find out how he got. Oh, let's look at it. Hold on real quick. How many? Let, let me let me do a quick little uh, click here because I want to see how many backers because what I was mostly impressed by. Oh, my God. Here it is. I just pulled up the, the data. Seven hundred and twenty five backers and his minimum product is like twenty five bucks. You know what I mean? Or his minimum, you know, his his or excuse me, his average uh, average reward is like twenty five bucks. So. This just tells you, uh, with that many backers, how much people are excited about this project. So um, he's not going to give us a ton of, uh, uh, of great detail, but he's gonna, you're going to really feel this honesty to his conversation. So let's go ahead and kick it off my conversation uh, with Tankara, the book, um, by Daniel Galhardo. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for calling, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for the thanks for the interest. I uh, appreciate you uh, having me on board on your podcast. I was looking it up. It looked pretty uh, pretty cool. How'd you uh, How'd you find uh, our my project? Yeah. So uh, I found you from the projects we love. Um, I'm on oh, okay. Kickstarter pretty much every day. 
Uh Um, I have clients, you know, so I'm, I'm on there every day, just looking at stuff, just, you know, anything that I think catches my eye that I think would be a a great interview. Um, Uh you know, and then obviously I want, I I love talking to to creators when they're in the middle of the campaign because I feel like, you know, this is the hot spot, right? This is where everybody, everybody wants to be in the position you're in, right? If they're doing a a crowdfunding campaign, they want to, they want to be funded, right? Yeah, totally. Um, so all new to me but uh yeah well you're uh, clearly doing a really good job i mean you're at what just uh 26 000, it looks like here just on uh, just under yeah. that with 15 uh-huh. days to go so and what's i think more impressive 646 backers that's a lot of people it's uh yeah, not too bad <laughs> a lot of eyeballs so so yeah i guess you know just i just love to have like a 30 minute conversation or so maybe a little longer whatever it takes whatever feels sure. natural and just kind of you know just loosely talk about your project how you got to this point you know and then maybe we'll deep dive a little bit into some strategy you know but first i'd love to just hear about this book how you got to this point and and kind of what what's the backstory here tell me how you got to got to here yeah, so about seven and a half years ago, I introduced a, a Japanese method of fly fishing called tenkara uh, here in the United States and uh, outside of Japan. I mean, it's uh, it can be a little bit of a long story. I'll give you, I guess, the gist of it. But uh, I, uh, I've been fishing my whole life. I started fly fishing when I was about 15 years old mm-hmm. and uh, pretty involved in the uh, uh, in fly fishing as a sport. But fly fishing never felt or it wasn't really feeling very relaxing to me. It was starting to feel kind of frustrating, a lot of uh, line to get tangled around my legs, a lot of gear to carry. Um, People were throwing Latin names at me to fly fish, you know, (laughs) like telling me about the flies that I should be tying on and that kind of thing. And, uh, And interestingly, at the time when I was kind of probably feeling the most frustrated about certain things about fly fishing, um, I learned about this Japanese method of fly fishing called tenkara. Uh, My wife is, uh, she's Japanese American, as Mm -hmm. you mentioned. And in 2007, I started doing some research on fly fishing in Japan, learned that in Japan they have their method of fishing. And it was a much simpler way to fly fish. You only have a rod, line, and fly, no reel. Uh, you tie the line right to the tip of the rod. The rods are telescopic, so they collapse from 12 feet long on average to hmm. only a 20-inch uh, little collapsed size package. So really good for backpacking and hiking and that kind of thing as well. Um, and then I got to see the rods in person for the first time in 2008. And I had this really kind of... Uh, you know, just a very good feeling about it. It just felt really good because it was simple. It was not carrying much gear. But as I started researching fly fishing, uh, Tenkara specifically, I couldn't really find any information on uh, the method in English. Hmm. Um, so I decided to introduce that to people here. I thought people would appreciate the simplicity, the, you know, the stories behind it and that kind of thing. So that was in 2009. I created a company called Tenkara USA. Um, to introduce the method of fishing here in the, in the States and outside of Japan in general. I became the first person to bring the method outside of its hiding mm-hmm. in Japan. Uh, it's something that uh, has been done in Japan for hundreds of years, but it's only done in a couple of pockets throughout the country. Hmm, that's so a lot of people don't know about it. Yeah, it's really kind of amazing how it stayed almost hidden you know, from the public at large. Uh, for a long time. Um, so, so me being uh, not a fisherman, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
you know, and for the average person, what is the biggest difference? Is it a mindset? Is it a technique? What's the biggest one big difference? And I'm sure there's many, yeah, you know. There are many, but yeah. uh, mostly it's the simplicity, you know, the and the simplicity encompasses the gear, like all the equipment that mm-hmm. you use, but it also encompasses the the philosophy behind it, you know. So just to give you an example, we start with in Tankata, there's no reel. You just have rod, line, and fly. Um, you know, you're leaving the reel behind, and then you leave all these accessories behind as well. Hmm. And then when it comes to the mindset and the philosophy behind it, you know, the the method has a very different origin from fly fishing in the West. Uh, Tenkara in Japan used to be done by commercial anglers trying to catch a lot of fish for a living, whereas Western fly fishing was a lot of times done for leisure. Hmm. And that is a very crucial difference because the commercial angler back in the day, nowadays, of course, it's all done as a sport, but the commercial angler, they just try to keep it very, very simple and very effective. Whereas the people doing it for leisure, you know, spent a lot of time kind of experimenting and fumbling and doing things. So, for example, really interestingly, um, in Tenkara, most of the anglers in Japan they have one fly that they stick with, and then they focus on their technique. Whereas mm. in Western fly fishing, if any of your listeners have ever been to a fly shop, they'll go into a fly shop and you'll see a bin with hundreds of different flies to choose from. <laughs> and how do you go from there, right? What, right? How do you know which fly is right? right? So it's a very kind of a, the simplicity carries through the entire method from the equipment to the philosophy to the techniques that are used as well. Well, it, 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 like for me... You know, and I and you know, I, I go up north. I come from the country, so at least I'm I'm slightly aware of some of this stuff. But like fishing to me has always been uh, kind of a it's a gear centric world. Obviously, I have a Western take on this, but like you know, it always equals hey, I've got the big toolbox or the, the mm-hmm. you know the big tackle box, right? I've got all this stuff. I'm mm-hmm. gonna beat the fish. Where it sounds like yes. everything that you're coming at right now is like you know, flip your wrist the right way. Or, oh, totally. you know, or whatever it might be, you know, uh, maybe, maybe just focus a little bit instead of changing out 20 different lures, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why this whole thing appealed to me so much. I mean, I grew up fishing and, you know, and, and of course I'm getting here in this conversation talking a lot about fishing and we jumped straight into it, you know, and your <laughs> listeners may or may not be familiar so, with uh, that much of the fishing background. But a lot of us have this perception of fishing especially fly fishing as that guy carrying the vest that weighs 20 pounds and every pocket has a different fly box and different accessory. Yeah. That's probably what everybody's picturing right now in their head. Yeah. You know? And, uh, waiters, and, and I, prob- right. The waiter, is that what those called? The waiters, the, the waiters, boots way up high, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's, you can start adding a lot of stuff to yeah. it. And, uh, and I did the same, you know, for, for about 15 years that I fly fished with uh, Western fly rod. And before that I used to use lures and spinning reels my fly fishing or my fishing in general was always becoming more and more about gear, you know, like what is the latest and coolest thing that I can buy, Mm -hmm. uh, which is going to make my, I always thought my, it's going to make my fishing more effective, a little bit better and that kind of thing. And all of a sudden I'm faced with this method of fishing from Japan that completely throws away all of that thinking that I had about fishing. And all of a sudden it was, it's all about the experience it's all about the technique, and it's not really that much about the gear. Um, and that appealed to me a lot. I mean, I just love the idea of 
relying on technique and learning things and paying attention to the stream when I'm going fishing as opposed to wondering if I have the right reel, the right line, the right fly and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so it was a completely different change to the to my mindset behind uh, fishing. So, so that was kind of my next question I wanted to go into is, as you mentioned earlier, just the, the, the whole relaxing or mental aspect that you were in Compared to, you know, what, 2007, starting to learn about this and maybe it was really getting into it 2009, 2010-ish, it sounds like. You know, yeah. what, what happened to you in terms of, of just the mental makeup when you're actually out now fishing? Like, where, mm-hmm. where are you going in your brain, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. I think the biggest thing has been what I, in one word, I call the liberation, you know, of Tenkara. <laughs> um, it's, uh, you know, like every time I plan a fishing trip somewhere, I mean, first of all, I had to carry a lot of gear. On more than one occasion, I would forget something. Uh, on most of the trips, I would have some anxiety on whether I was carrying the right equipment with me. <laughs> and, and there's all these things, and then without getting too much into it, but when you're fly fisherman, you start looking at books to tell you what insects are hatching in a particular stream that you might be visiting at a particular time of the year. Hmm. You know, so it starts getting this really kind of convoluted thing. And all of a sudden I'm learning from the masters in, in Japan about this method of fishing where they don't really care what fly they're on. They're just focused on their take, uh, what fly they're using. They're focused on their technique. And all of a sudden I, I realized that I can travel anywhere in the country, fish a variety of different waters, and all I have to do is grab a rod and carry this little tiny bag that has a spool of line and some flies in it. They're all the same fly pretty much, and I'll be okay. Hmm. You know, fishing is going to be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it's been a very liberating um, experience to learn about this Japanese method of fishing. Wow. Yeah, that's – it's – it sounds relaxing from here, you know. <laughs> uh, it, it sounds great. So let's let's get into a little bit on the actual book. So the campaign mm-hmm. is for you to create this book. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? Yeah. So yeah. what what is this book? What what, what am I getting um, yeah. from your campaign? What's the book yeah. doing? So yeah, so I have been introduced in Tenkara uh, to the United States for seven and a half years. Um, over the years, I've created a lot of content, a lot of videos, a lot of, did a lot of writing on our blog and a few magazines as well. Um, a little bit of background about myself as well. Um, I'm the only person that has ever been kind of adopted by all these old Japanese masters of the method called Tenkara. Um, without getting too much of the story into the story, as soon as I started a company, I got to meet one of the main authorities at Tenkara in Japan. And then I went to visit him and he starts teaching me all that I now know about Tenkara, all that he knew about Tenkara. And he also starts introducing me to all these different people that have been practicing this method of fishing for decades. So that kind of gives you a little bit of the background yeah. of that. But the one thing that I hadn't done so far has been to write a book. Mm. And a book has been a big goal of mine for a few years. Um, I actually had a few false starts. I uh, did a couple of drafts that I just could not get myself to be happy about. <laughs> uh, this book has been what well, we call Tenkara the book is the the title that I'm the working title yeah. right now. Anyways, um, has been this big monster over my shoulders for over my head for a few years. 
And last year, I finally sat down and I started writing little by little everything that I knew about Tenkata, trying to fill something that would eventually become a book. And most of the writing has been done. Um, but I'm, I've realized I'm a quite a bit of a perfectionist, <laughs> <laughs> which is why it's taken me that long to get this book done. Um, most of it is done. There's a couple of things that I know what I have to do, but it's just like I have to finish it now because the project got funded. <laughs> right, right. Yep, yep. Uh, the heat's on now. <laughs> the heat is on now, which uh, I can talk a little bit more about. But it's uh, I actually use Kickstarter as a as a tool to just kind of pressure myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the book, so the book has everything that I learned about Tenkara. It has the how-to kind of information, um, but it starts by sharing the story of Tenkara, the, the philosophy behind the method. And then throughout the book, so we start with the history, the philosophy, and then we go into the how-tos, uh, you know, how to cast with the Tenkara run, how do you land the fish and that kind of thing, and the techniques that we use. And then throughout the book, I really try to paint a picture of how I came to learn everything that I know. So I share all these little stories. I've visited Japan about eight times now. Mm. I've had teachers coming from Japan to visit me here multiple times. And there's always a little story about how I learned a certain technique, how I learned about, you know, uh, different cultural elements of the method, a little bit of the history. And I try to kind of share those stories along. So it's not just a a how-to and introductory book, but also kind of like a fun tag-along kind of book, Mm. if you will. Uh, That's the way I'm seeing it. That's awesome. And so it looks like too that you're 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 teaching a healthy amount of it looks like groups and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I, from I was clicking on some website and stuff. So it looks like, you know, w- what's the feedback that you're usually seeing when you're? Yeah, I'm sure you're talking a little bit about the book that this is coming. And and is that where most of your backers and your and you think your support's coming from is through your your teaching groups and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we've had a good presence, uh, you know, in the industry for a few years now. A lot of uh, followers um, that have been using our rods. I mean, we primarily produce the rods, lines and flies that are used with Tenkata. uh, Mm -hmm. And we educate people quite a bit for free, uh, you know, with videos and that kind of thing. And people have been asking for this book for years. You know? <laughs> so when, the, uh, when we put out the announcement, we sent out a newsletter to, to our mailing list and uh, that we've been building for many years. And the project got funded in within about five hours. That's awesome. Uh, which is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. I'm really happy to have the support. Um, and we still have 15 days to go. We are a little over 200% or 250% now of mm-hmm. uh, our initial funding requirement, which was essentially just the cost of printing a book. Mm. Uh, But now, you know, like we have more stuff that we're going to be doing, like creating more videos that are going to go along with the book and that kind of thing. And, and people have been wanting that book to come out. So yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) That's great. So, so let's get into a little bit of strategy. So you just talked about, obviously there was a lot of groundwork for years, getting people, you know, old school signing up for a mailing list. Outside of the mailing list, what do you think? What else did you guys do to, or what else did you do? I should say, you know, to get that obviously that momentum right out of the gate. Yeah, um, you know, like I, I'm very new to Kickstarter. I should say uh, it's of course something that I've known about for quite a long time. Um, you know, I started my company before Kickstarter came about, so I'm kind of learning mm-hmm. all the stuff that goes with it, and uh, 
the the strategies. I uh, I'm actually kind of looking forward to listening to more of the episodes uh, <laughs> that you've put out because I've got a lot to learn. I think, um, as you mentioned, I think primarily you know it was the old school, you know, way we've been kind of building this audience for for a few years mm-hmm. and doing well with that. Uh, you know, so both through our newsletter, but we have a good uh, following on Facebook and Instagram and that kind of thing as well. Um, word of mouth has been really good. So like, I think most of it from my end has been taking place outside of the, uh, online sphere. Um, I've saw that a lot of fishing clubs that I've given presentations to in the past have been sharing the word about this book, mm, uh, coming great. out. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not quite as, um, broad or fast reaching maybe as uh, some of the online strategies that people are probably using but uh you know it's kind of working out for us and that's um it, for me it's kind of like dipping the toes in this new sphere of uh, kickstarter and see what we can do well it sounds like to me though that you guys are really doing the perfect natural strategy for the actual product itself right mm-hmm. so like you know, it, it is, you know, it isn't about a hundred different tools, you know, <laughs> you, you know, that's not what you're fishing. That's not what your, that's not what your product is or your book's about. So it, it's actually incredibly re- refreshing that it really comes down to your love of this, right? Your, you know, desire to, to bring this here, to teach people about it. And I think that's really, you know, what I'm taking from this is that that's what people are buying into that you are the right person person for this message. You know, you're you're the right one to 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 to, trump, to to champion, right? The this new fishing method and and I think that's truly what it sounds like people are getting behind and really supporting. I mean, the number of backers is I mean, that's that's a huge number of, of supporters on Kickstarter, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. So so you know, the $10,000 goal, you said that came you, you kind of you fell to that number that's on printing, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have a place for this book to go distribution or is that still something that you guys are working on? I'm still working on it a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you know, like the, uh, the current customer base that we have that has been demanding the book, uh, this book is, you know, for them and anybody else, of course, who is going to be taking up the method of fishing. I wanted to have this good resource available to them, to anybody who is interested and fishing in the style. Um, of course, it would be ideal if we can increase the reach as well, get more people to learn about Tenkata because of the book. So we'll have to look at uh, further ways to distribute the book um, beyond our current audience. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's like a, a big goal is to to increase the uh, the visibility of the method of fishing um, beyond what where we have reached so far. And I think that's where the book kind of comes in it allows us to do that uh people that are not necessarily so much on facebook maybe they're ignoring ads or not you know maybe they're reluctant to join a newsletter but they're more than interested in reading uh, a good story and learning about it so well it it seems like story mm -hmm. story is a power uh, is about almost all of you know Every time you go out to fish, there's probably mm-hmm. these small stories or, yeah. you know, the one that got away, blah, blah you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Fishing is all about stories. I yeah. Think. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it, uh, usually I like to think of fishing in any outdoor activity in general, like whether you're climbing or hiking. First and foremost, they're a good excuse for us to get outside. 
But second, they give us a good opportunity to have stories to share. You know, we come back home from a day of fishing. You know, there's a good chance we have a little bit of something to share with our friends or spouses or whoever mm-hmm. uh, we're getting together with. And I think that's a it's a powerful you know thing to to have just the experiences and the stories to share. Yeah, uh, yeah. What, what's what's Tinkara like in Japan? What's the mm-hmm. what's the climate there? Is it you know everybody knows about it? It's just Fishing, or what's it like there? What's what's the, no, what's the that's, vibe? A, that's a great question. Uh, actually, not everybody knows about it. As a matter of fact, it's a, it's an interesting little story. Uh, one of my teachers, my main teacher in Japan, he's very well known in the community of fisher folk. Um, but in his business card, he's a professor at a university, uh, completely unrelated to fishing, you know, his field. Uh, but the back of his business card in Japanese, he says, Tenkara, it's not Tempura, it's not Karate, it's a <laughs> Japanese method of fishing. <laughs> uh, because most people in the city are not going to know what it is. Right. Um, it's, uh, even though f- fishing is a huge sport in Japan, Tenkara is, uh, is still a niche you know, that you can only see in a few different pockets throughout Japan. Hmm. Uh, and there's some really interesting stuff behind that as well. It's a, it's a method of fishing that has been around for a long time, uh, but it's not nearly as popular as using bait as opposed to artificial flies. Um, and interestingly, it's also not as popular nowadays as Western fly fishing. Hmm. And part of the reason for that is because Japan went through a good period of kind of abandoning their own cultures in favor of Western concepts. Mm. Uh, that's a way I've been kind of told and observed as well. So, you know, like you might have the Honda motorcycles that they kind of, you know, um, ignored in favor of Harley Davidson's. <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit the same with uh, Tenkara, that a lot of people ignored it in favor of Western fly fishing. But here's the interesting thing about Seven and a half years ago, I introduced the concept here in the States. And in Japan, they have a concept, uh, I might be butchering that in Japanese right now, but gyaku nyuyu, which means reimportation. So it's something that is Japanese to begin with, and it gets exported somewhere, in this case, Tenkara. And then people in Japan start noticing that other people are doing it, and they start doing it uh, themselves. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a really interesting concept. And Tenkara, according to a couple of the larger uh, companies over there, is the only method of fishing that has been growing in popularity in the last six years. Um, so it's kind of a – we've had this kind of impact on Japan uh, in terms of them picking it up uh, uh, themselves as well, which is pretty interesting. That's great. Are you seeing – so in, in the data so far from the Kickstarter, anything coming from Japan at all or is there any, any sort of traffic from them? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, being a few books. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like most people, I don't expect to sell a lot of books. Yeah, yeah. Right no, now. no. I'm just, I'm just uh, wondering if, if it's reaching there. You know, uh, it is. Yeah, yeah I was that's great. Noticing that, I think it was, uh, it was in the top four, con- top five countries. I that's, think. Uh, yeah, that's great. United States for sure. Yeah. Uh, English speaking countries were the top three. Mm-hmm. It was like United States, um, and then like we had England, of course, and Australia, and then I think Italy. And then Japan, hmm. those are our biggest countries that we've reached. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm kind of expecting, you know, Japan is not really embraced Kickstarter for yeah. what I've heard yet. Yep. Um, 
So I think once the book is actually out, they might be more interested. Yeah, yeah, more traditional. I'll, I'm gonna, I'll just buy it. I <laughs> will go yeah. through the Kickstarter route. So, exactly. what's the? Um, and I've seen this a few places, website and Kickstarter and stuff. The one percent for the planet. Mm-hmm. What is that program that you're a part of? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a. Uh, it's an organization that was started several years ago. Um, and what it is, it is a commitment that we donate 1% of our revenues to environmental organizations. Um, so this is a set on stone commitment. It's an organization that kind of audits us and makes sure that we're sending 1% of all of our sales, uh, not profit, all of our sales to environmental organizations. And in our case, we send it to uh, our primary beneficiary, it's called Trout Unlimited. Hmm. Uh, it's the biggest organization in charge of protecting and restoring uh, stream habitat or rivers hmm. uh, where trout live, you know, because that makes sense. I mean, yeah. our customers are using fishing rods. <laughs> yep, that sure makes that sense. <laughs> they have a place to do that. So it's a really, it's a commitment I, I made on day one uh, when I started a company. Uh, we have this essentially a self-imposed tax uh, that goes towards protecting the places our customers use the rods. Yeah, that's great. That's that's really so. This might be a really dumb question here, but is there a particular fish that's that is e- more easily caught with this technique, or is it across the board? No, that's a great question. It's uh, you know, it's so in, in Japan the method started by. As I mentioned, commercial anglers trying to catch fish for a living. Right. And these were people fishing up in the mountains where they were catching trout. Mm. Uh, Japan has a couple of different native species of trout. And as we, as I brought this over here, uh, that is primarily our focus. You know, mountain streams and trout is kind of uh, primarily what we uh, – it's what I like to fish for. You know, mm-hmm. the trout usually – live in very beautiful, clear waters. Um, but, of course, as we introduced the concept here, uh, people are using it for all kinds of fish all across the board. I mean, you, and myself included, sometimes I'll, uh, just a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago now, I went fishing for carp <laughs> you know, in your home here. Uh, sometimes I'll go catch bass and, you know, panfish are really good. So it's, in the end, it's a tool, right? It's a rod, a line, and a fly, and you can, put on whatever fly you want at the end and you can catch whatever fish you're interested in. Um, but our main focus tends to be trout. Yeah. Um, that's what mostly after. Hmm. Yeah. And you're in Colorado, right? So you're kind of in a perfect state for this sort of, uh, adventure you're on. Yeah. 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 I started a company when I was still living in California in the San Francisco area. Um, you know, and to fish for trout there, I'd have to drive three, four hours to fish. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, three and a half years ago, I moved the company here to Boulder, Colorado, because there's some really good fishing nearby and uh, good opportunities for mountain streams. But we also have a lot of customers out in Texas, you know, where they're fishing for warm water species and that kind of thing as well. Yeah, it seems like uh, Michigan, uh, I mean, with all of our lakes and streams mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I mean, I just got back from my vacation, which was up north on a little river, and I watched hundreds of people fish. I think my kids even went out and did, with a little toy thing and fished. Um, mm-hmm. But I got to imagine that Michigan would be a, would, would really oh, be totally. into your, uh, into this, you know, this product. Yeah, absolutely. There's some famous rivers out there. The, uh, the Alsab, uh, probably butchering this, the Alsable yeah. <laughs> uh, is one that I always hear people talking about. I haven't fished there personally yet, but uh, yeah, we have a really good number of people out there, um, you know, because you have a lot of water. There's a lot of lakes in mm-hmm. 
you know, interconnected lakes with little streams in between and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's uh, definitely a good Yeah, stage. we don't, don't, don't quite have the mountains, I think, like you do. But yeah, got a lot of lakes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's totally fine. It's uh, one of the cool things about Tenkara, too, is, uh, you know, like they're very portable. You're not using a lot of gear. So mm -hmm. if you're – we have a good following, too, among people that are – they're going kayaking on a lake or they're stand-up paddle boarding or they're doing all kinds of things. And they might just bring it right along and yeah. try to fish a little bit. I could totally see it. I could totally see it. You know, just kind of really think about that the design of this. I mean, you could totally throw it in a kayak, you know? Yeah, and absolutely. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, that's great. So um, outside of um, – back to kind of over to the, the, the campaign itself. Outside of the projects we love from Kickstarter, has anything else happened? Have you guys been in the newsletter or um, the hero section? Anything else that's, that's happened? Um, you know, I, uh, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, I, uh, we had some a couple of big trade shows that uh, I've had to attend uh, since I released the book. Um, I've not been... Uh, staying very much on top of hey, stuff. that's all right that's all right that's all right uh, you know we got a couple of emails from media folks and uh that's been good and uh you know you uh covering us mm -hmm. on your podcast it's pretty awesome um and just uh haven't uh you know noticed and we're also having a little bit of a you know i just had somebody started working with me yesterday so i've been doing a lot of training of a new staff <laughs> so it's uh, busy uh, busy busy a lot of stuff happening at the same time that uh you know, it's uh, I've been ignoring all the strategies and tools that I, I should probably be tapping into on a Kickstarter yeah, as well. Yeah, no, yeah. So, um, so I noticed, you know, are you thinking about, you know, at this point, uh, stretch goals at all or like where this product could go if you hit 100K or, or what might this look like? I mean, you know, just, mm -hmm. you know, any thoughts on that so far? You know, I'm open to suggestions if anybody has any. <laughs> um, so, you know, like there's a few things. For me, it's been a learning experience too. Like we've had a lot of requests. Um, so I put a few copies of the book, like 150 copies that I, I'm signing uh, for the people. Um, but, you know, I forgot to put an option, you know, where people could have a signed book and a digital version. So there's a few things that... You know, like I wish I had done early on to uh, in terms of the rewards. I didn't want to have too much, too many options on the mm -hmm. rewards. But, uh, you know, like later on, I kind of started seeing like, wow, it seems like all the campaigns have a lot of options. And, uh, you know, so I think there's a way, you know, like once this is kind of mostly done, we might offer uh, backers like opportunities for, you know, a poster that my designer is working on right now uh, and that kind of thing. But mostly... Um, you know, the main thing with whatever, so first and foremost, I mean, of course, is a lot of projects are, you know, it's a really good opportunity for people to secure a copy of the book, um, ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And in turn, in turn, it kind of helps me plan for how many we should print and that kind of thing. But, uh, whatever money is being raised now that is beyond what I needed, it goes towards increasing the production value of the book. Right. Uh, so it just means we can create a higher quality book. Uh, we can create the book as I should have mentioned too. It's fairly interactive or multimedia. I should mention in terms of, you know, when you're reading about something, uh, if we feel like there's, you know, it, it can be demonstrated a little bit more easily on a video, uh, there's going to be a little QR code and a URL and we're going to instruct users to have a cell phone next to them and they snap a little photo of the QR code, a quick read code. Mm -hmm. 
And it takes them to a video that they can see how the casting works in person as opposed oh, to great. trying to understand, you know, via reading. Um, you know, so all of those things take money. And the more we've been raising, the more we can put it towards production of videos and book and that kind of thing. Um, well, how, how, tec- how technical is this craft? Um, you know, it, mm-hmm. could I start, in a, you know, tomorrow? Uh, yeah, you know. Yes. Yeah, so it's an interesting uh, one. So it's uh, what I always like to say is that Tenkara, it's very simple for anybody to learn, but there's enough there to that might take you a lifetime to master. Right. You know, like a lot of things from mm-hmm. Japan, I think. Um, but like the casting, I mean, that's like one of the beautiful things about Tenkara. Anybody can learn how to cast a rod in like two minutes. It's a very intuitive way of fishing. Whereas in fly fishing, like typically it'll take you several hours or multiple days of classes to learn how to fly cast. Um, landing a fish, also very intuitive. You know, a fish is pulling one way, you pull it towards you. Right. Uh, and even like reading water, you know, like where to cast your fly, what to get the fly to do. All of the stuff is incredibly intuitive and quick to learn. Um, but there's also like all these little nuances that go with the method. You know, how to get the fly fly to behave even more naturally what are the techniques that you can use to make the fly behave you know in ways that are going to be really enticing to fish when nothing else is working um so there's this really kind of interesting uh contrast between yes it's super quick to learn and that's like where we've done really well like a lot of parents buy the rods to teach their kids um you know we work with a lot of different groups that are not focused on fishing but they want to get people to fish um there's not that much to learn, really. So mm-hmm. like in the beginning of the book, actually, we have uh, a part of the book that we call the quick guides to Tenkara. So it's like eight pages that literally give you like everything that you need to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one knot we have, we only teach one knot <laughs> that people need to learn uh, how to cast the fly out and how to bring the fish in and that kind of thing. Uh, and then the rest of the book starts getting a little bit more into the nuance, like the thing that for the people that have been doing it for some time, like how can they improve it? And, the, you know, and that's where removing the equipment part of it becomes really kind of fascinating to me. When you remove the equipment and you don't have to think too much about the gear that you're using, all of a sudden you're free to focus on your technique and how to improve little by little and how to get even a little bit better. Uh, and I'm still learning a bunch of stuff every time I fish with somebody mm-hmm. um, new from Japan. That's awesome. Uh, it, it, it's awesome. I love the the mental aspect that your project is around, you know, or is about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, just this whole culture that you're discussing. It, it, it's you know, it really is anti-Western type of tone. You know what I mean? Without you know, it's just not. It's just you don't need all this stuff. You know, it, it re- relies back on on yeah. good technique stories treating the earth well you know what i mean like you know just all of these things you know uh it really is a phenomenal project it's great so where do you see you know if you put your uh fortune teller hat on where do you see you your company three years from now five years from now what's the future look like that's a great question so i've been doing this for seven and a half years Mm and uh very in the last few months, I'd say, uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot more deeply about that. I, uh, you know, I think it was easy to kind of have that vision when I started a company and like where it's going to be in five years. And we've kind of pretty much gone where I wanted to. And it's become a little bit more challenging now to envision 
where else do we go from here? So I'm kind of working through that myself, actually. It's mm. a it's a very interesting kind of challenging time as well. I mean, the but the goal really is to get more people to realize that fly fishing is not complicated. You know, fly fishing can be very simple. And the, the other part of it is the reason we're doing that is so that more people are going outside, paying attention to the environment, looking around and seeing what's happening and, you know, connecting with the environment in a way that a lot of times, you know, people might not. Uh, so, you know, like, Pokemon Go is great, you know, you're going outside, but you're not looking around, you know, right. what's happening to the streams and, you know, nature in general. So our goal is to have everybody who is going outside uh, to have one more excuse to go outside. Every backpacker, every hiker, uh, every rock climber, they're usually going to be coming across streams. And what we're real realizing is that a lot of them are curious about what is lurking, you know, beneath the surface of the water that they're crossing? And why not use that kind of stream as a playground? Why not Why not enjoying this other activity that gets you outside and connected with nature in a very unique way? And, you know, and Tenkara just shows us that there's a different way of thinking about things. Uh, there's often a simpler way of approaching different activities. And we're just trying to get more people outside and realizing that life in general doesn't have to be complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we I think I think that's us making it complicated. We we just oh, do yeah. it. We lo love making things complicated. Oh yeah, and I do too, trust me. I'm <laughs> yeah. always trying to like, you know, remind myself that hey, there's this simple Japanese way to fly fish and uh why is why isn't everything else a little bit simpler too? <laughs> right, right. So, uh, I kind of well, got another question or so here. What about team? Did you have a team that helped you with your campaign or your project or has it been all you doing it? You know, this one uh, pretty much all me doing. Really? <laughs> really? Uh yeah, I mean so I've got, you know, a great designer that's going to help me with the book, you know, people that kind of have helped me like review the book. Um, but honestly, so, you know, like a little bit of the backstory that I talked about, I've had this book mostly ready for close to a year. And I started looking and I was like, man, I've got to get this book out. I've got to just publish it. You know, like, why is it taking so long? And and I started thinking like, oh, I should create. And I, I, I did have a video, uh, a friend of mine helping me create the video that we uh, put on mm -hmm. Kickstarter. So I, I shouldn't say I did it completely by myself. Um, but, you know, like I just, I was like, okay, let's put this on Kickstarter maybe. And then like one afternoon we had this video ready for a couple of weeks and I'm like, I just got to get this done. So I just kind of created a campaign and uh, put it out there and just to see what happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It was a little bit of a uh, fly by the seat of my pants. Uh, well, I'll tell you, I, you know, this is one of those refreshing ones because most of the conversations aren't around this. And I think, again, it just re, re shines a spotlight on on how good of a job you're doing of just creating this audience, a real natural audience with no bells and whistles, no big Facebook ads, not a ton of – it doesn't sound like you had a ton of capital that you ran it, you know, through it, pay-per-clicks. You just, <laughs> you know, you just let this thing out in the world. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, part of it, I'm sure we could do like, you know, even better, uh, you know, like, of course, any results can be, you know, like tracked to like to how much energy we put into it. But honestly, this was a, 
the way I saw it, I mean, it's a, it's a great way, of course, to create a buzz, you know, yeah. for, for the project. Um, but for me, like for my personal thing, it's like, Hey, I need a little bit of a flame under my feet to get this project done and done, you know, yeah. <laughs> just get it out there. Yeah. And this is kind of how I saw this project, uh, on kick, putting on Kickstarter, putting yep. out to the word. It's like, now I got to deliver it. Yeah. Um, well, you'll have 646 people waiting. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, as of right now, and that number is going to get bigger. They're, yeah. they're, they're waiting. You're answering to them now. so I better get it done. <laughs> yeah. well, well, Daniel, this was awesome, man. I, I cannot tell you how much I've learned about this. Just me personally, this is awesome. I, I, I really loved everything you're talking about. I think it's such a great project. Um, you know, I, I wish you nothing but success and keep doing what you're doing because it's awesome. Well, thanks, Jeff. I uh, I really appreciate you finding our project and uh, contacting me. And uh, and for your interest, I uh, I love talking to people who are interested in what we're doing, just sharing a story. And, yeah, it's great. Uh, looking forward to listening tomorrow for your uh, podcast episodes awesome. and learn what I should do on Kickstarter. <laughs> well, they're, they're they're coming out, you know. So more than likely, I bet you you have another Kickstarter down the road when you have product number two or book number uh-huh. two or new techniques because sure. you clearly have an audience and you know it's a great way to fund a project and get people talking you know yeah Uh, yeah. you know we're all talking about it so it's great but um awesome well i really appreciate it man thanks so much yeah thanks for your time jeff cool bye